Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome into another episode edition of our Monday night live show here on the Wolverine.com's YouTube channel. Uh, of oh, course, Anthony Broom along with Clayton Safey and Chris our... Ballas as I as we are every night, uh, every every night this uh, this time every week. So uh, we are sponsored by Rogue Shop. You guys will hear our ad read uh, for our friends over there in a little bit. Loaded show tonight. Obviously, a basketball game to talk about. Uh, we want today was the official start of Michigan spring football, so we want to touch on that as well. Also, we will take uh, questions uh, towards the end of the show, so uh, feel free to use that donate button to move yourself to the front of the line, and we will get to yours first. But uh, before we get into our show tonight, uh, I wanted to give Chris Ballas the floor, given that. Um, I mean, I don't know if I should just throw it to you, Chris, or, uh, you know, addressing the elephant in the room over the weekend. There, there were comments on our message board that were taken and, and misconstrued and kind of spread throughout uh, social media. And, Chris, this is, I mean, the first time you've, outside of social media, have had a public kind of forum to explain what happened and your side of it. So I just, I was no, there's no, right there's now. no side. We were talking specifically on our message board about a message board post that uh, popped up all week long. Uh, you know, we were, we made sure uh, in light of the tragedy at Michigan state, we all have friends there. The first thing that happened when I, uh, when I heard about the shooter at Michigan state was I called one of my friends who has a daughter there and I said, you need to lock her up. We all have friends and family to the, that have gone to Michigan state. And that was the only thing that mattered. And it was it's still the only thing that matters is these kids and their parents uh for people who have experienced loss loss of a child and we have in our family it's something that you don't live down and when it happens to somebody else um it's it's a sad fraternity that you really know how these people feel and you live it all over again and that was the only thing on our minds all week and all i said on social media all i said on radio shows and everywhere else was the game seems insignificant and it did. Uh, I have never been less enthused for a Michigan-Michigan State game in my life. I thought, boy, uh, you know, is this a good idea? Uh, you know, and I remember Juwan Howard saying the same thing. Is this a good idea? If they wanted to cancel it, we should certainly cancel it. And, and of course, I think it was Tom Izzo that said, you know what, it's therapeutic. And unfortunately, life goes on, you know, and unfortunately for the victims, parents and families, uh, it'll never be the same. Um, so, uh, on Saturday, you know, uh, that's basically all we talked about. And when people tried to 
up the rhetoric on our message board and on our website. We said consistently, this is not the week for it. Uh, and as John Beeline said on Saturday, he said, you know what, hopefully this puts the rivalry in perspective and anything like that in, in perspective. Uh, and you hope that it would. Uh, and then Saturday, a, there were several message boards where posts were popping up about the, the Michigan the celebration of the victims, I guess you would call it before the game, which I thought was incredibly well done. And, uh, and just dozens of people saying, you know, this seems self-serving and, and, you know, calling Michigan out and those pricks are being, you know, it's condescending, it's this and that. And I didn't understand it. Um, again, in the context of everything that happened in the week. So there was a message board post on one of the sites that made its way to our site. And I responded directly to that. And I responded directly to one of our posters about message boards and moderation and leadership and making sure that we don't get to this point. And somebody took a my, my post and put it out there on social media saying that, that uh, I wished uh, this upon the students or you reap what you sow uh, and attribute it to me uh, as although I had something to do with the shootings. Now, two things I would say about that. Uh, I can't know. I don't know anybody uh, anywhere who would think it. Uh, I don't know anybody anywhere who would write it. Uh, and it's certainly disgusting to attribute that to somebody, especially if you read the thread and know the context in which it was it was used, uh, that post. So it had nothing to do with the shootings. It had nothing to do with the victims. Uh, all we said all week and all I continue to say is that we watched Tom Izzo's speech up there. Uh, he was speaking for everybody. He was speaking for all of us and people who had family there, our friends with kids. Uh, I had MSU fr fan friends that helped me get through our tragedy with my family. Uh, and I love them. And I thought about their kids and I got on the phone with them, right? Uh, I called John Jansen. One of the victims was from Clawson, uh, a little community where John Jansen is from. And I said, hey, man, is, is you know, what's going on up there? And, you know, uh, it was it was awful. So I didn't think it was the time to say, hey, your grandson standing, hey, this, hey, that. Uh, I probably should have kept my mouth shut about that, but I certainly didn't imply that anything to do with Michigan State's leadership, anything to do with culture leading to any kind of, uh, you know, having anything to do with some nut job going off and, and killing children in their faces. So uh, that's all I'll say about that, uh, other than to uh, say, extend my uh, my sympathies again to the people involved uh, uh, for you and uh, and we love you and hope um, sincerely uh, that the five victims still in the hospital heal up. Um, I guess I've got a long way to go, but uh, it was a whole week for everybody and to try to make this part of a rivalry uh, is despicable. My opinion, this is humanity. And that was the exact post that I responded to on the message board that this is about humanity. This isn't about Michigan and Michigan State hatred on the, on the field or anything else. And uh, and that's all there is to it. So um, that's where we are. Uh, I will say this. I, I said this about Tom Izzo, and I will say it again. I thought the way he handled it and dealt with people uh, and, and addressed, he is the face of that university. Uh, and in fact, the first person who called me about this social media post was a friend of mine who goes to Michigan State. He goes, what, what is this? He said, you, you wouldn't say that. And I said, no. I said, what are you talking about? I had no idea what he's talking about. He actually knew Tom Izzo and lived with him for a while at Michigan State. And he said, you're going to want to address this. But um, he said, you know, Tom Izzo really is the face of that university. I thought he did an incredible job. And we all watched it when he addressed the, uh, the students. And, uh, 
and the way he got his team ready and prepared to play. Uh, and we'll talk about the basketball game here in a minute. I, I thought it was remarkable. I thought they played a great game. It took Michigan's one of Michigan's best halves of the year to beat them. Uh, you know what? So I give him credit for that as well and for uh, trying to maintain, maintain normalcy in a situation in, that I know is damn near impossible to do. So uh, credit to them. Uh, you will not hear me say a bad word about Michigan State uh, or Tom Izzo or anybody. Uh, I will express disappointment in people who are trying to ha who have agendas and saying that, boy, you don't feel as bad and you're just doing this for show or anything like that. The same way that I addressed the people on my message board that said Tom Izzo is just doing this for show, which is absolutely ridiculous. And they were chastised for it, as you guys saw, for for saying that, because that is absolutely Here's a guy that's been there for 35 or 40 years. Uh, we know how we felt when this happened, right, with our friends and family. Uh, imagine being that enveloped in a community and this happens and to have people say oh he doesn't care or you know so on and so forth that's absolutely absurd so that's the stuff that needs to stop uh, i hope it will you aren't going to see that rhetoric hopefully uh, you're always going to see it on the message boards at some points guys because uh it's the lunatic fringe of fan bases right and, and it's passionate and people get too close to it sometimes where the hatred uh gets much too it just gets way too intense. And and we've been part of it, too. You, you get buried in it and you write things and, and you know, you look back and boy, I was probably a little strong I re or I regret that. But now of all times is not the time. And to suggest that anybody would write that or think that about kids who were killed uh, is absolutely absurd. So that's what I'll say about that. And as for the basketball game, um, you know what? It kind of reminded me, guys, we're going to switch gears here and go right into it. It kind of reminded me, guys of the Michigan State Mo Wagner game when State played a great game, but Michigan just kept countering and countering and playing extremely well down the stretch. They made free, free throws down the stretch. Doug McDaniel, I thought they did a great job uh, of countering. And when Michigan finally got over the hump, to be able to close out a game finally uh, was fantastic. When it was over, you breathe a sigh of relief that it's over and you hope that uh, the more we go forward, the more healing there will be uh, NCAA tournaments and everything else, uh, football, basketball, whatever is secondary to what we are experiencing right now in the state. Uh, all of us, especially our MSU brethren. And uh, so hopefully uh, we get some healing here and, um, and we get back to talking about sports and, and try to go on uh, with life as, as usual. Yeah, Clayton. I mean, let's, we can use this as the, the jumping off point now um, where, Saturday's atmosphere. I mean, one of the more unique sporting events um, that I've ever covered, that I've ever been at. I mean, it is um, to see to see Chrysler Center lit up green. Um, it is it's jarring, but in terms of Saturday and, and what the significance of that was, uh, I thought that the uh, the tributes were heartfelt. I thought that Michigan's administration, its leadership, did a nice job in in making sure like that was. You know, that was all week. I mean, we had seen Michigan kind of wrap it, wrap its arms around um, its neighbors to the north, so to speak. And, you know, it culminate, culminated into what I thought was, uh, I thought was incredibly uh, reverent and respectful and, um, you know, somber. I wrote about it Saturday. It's, it was, it's a sad week, but it's a celebration of life. It's a communal experience. It's, um, you know, and you know what? Credit book to both teams too for giving us um, a good basketball game, a great basketball game to boot after that. So, uh, Clayton, just uh, your thoughts on the atmosphere and everything that went into that game on Saturday night. 
Yeah, I know we want to move on, but I just want to say real quick too, you know, having known Chris extremely close over the last few years and, uh, you know, working closely together, I don't even need to say uh, that he would never do that because I know he wouldn't. But all, all I need to say is that he didn't do what was being propagated out there. And it's even more disgusting that there are actually people out there that are hoping this was the context or they're trying to make it look like this was the context, even though they have evidence to the contrary. So uh, to me, you know, we talked all week last week about rivalry being on the back burner, but it seems like some people out there still can't do that. So I just wanted to say that. And obviously, Chris, it's been tough for him to, you know, go through this, even though he didn't do anything, uh, you know, that that is being accused out there. So and that tells you everything you need to know about the man. So uh, I just wanted to put that out there. I appreciate that. Um, and I do want to say it isn't, this is not indicative of an entire fan base or, or a group of people. It's always small subsets, right? And, uh, you know, it looks bad on social media when you've got hundreds of people or a couple thousand, uh, but there are hundreds of thousands of Michigan State alums. And, and the way that they uh, handled it was was certainly a lot different than, you know, there, there are always going to be people in every fan base. We see them on our site. And again, the message boards and, and social media is the worst, but I appreciate you saying that. Um, and it should really go without saying, and I think uh, to, to anybody, uh, not just me, but to anybody, because nobody, uh, nobody with a heart is going to suggest that or think that. Uh, and certainly nobody uh, in this business, I didn't think there would be anybody, uh, and I don't know who, who the guy is that even did it, frankly. Um, I have no no idea of his background, but I did respond. And normally we don't respond to that stuff on social media. But, uh, but when that comes up... Uh, something like that, then you have to respond. And, and I did. Uh, and that was, that's all I've got to say about it. So, um, but I appreciate it. And, uh, and hopefully we can, we can move on here and hopefully this rivalry gets uh, a little nicer. I remember Bobby Williams telling me in 2001 at football media day, it's a bad rivalry, you know, well, it doesn't have to be this bad and uh, you know, hopefully it won't be. And hopefully, uh, you know what, uh, Tachman, one of our subscribers went to the game with his brother. He wore the Michigan state hat while his or a brother wore the Michigan hat. I talked to them before the game. I was going to meet them for dinner. Um, and uh, Michigan State fan, those guys go at it like crazy, you know. But at the end of the day, uh, we're all in the same foxhole here, guys. Uh, especially when during something like this. And uh, so that was kind of was kind of fun to see that dynamic at work. But I appreciate you saying that, Clay. And uh, back to the game. Yeah. Oh, just, just really. I mean, I want to just make it three for three here, and then we can truly put a pin in this situation. Um, Listen, I have like I, I have not worked with Chris as long as Clayton has, but I know I've traveled with the man. I've obviously we're in the foxhole together every single day. Um, you know, do I? You know, last week wasn't the week for the rhetoric and all that, and we've covered that. Um, Chris is a family guy. Chris is a guy that, uh, and we won't. I mean, we don't need to air this stuff here. But you know, if you know Chris the way that that Clayton and I do. Um, the thing, you know, there are things that have gone on in his family. There are things that he does for his family currently um, that anyone, uh, truthfully, if anyone in their right mind, their, their default is that they, the things, the, the comments that were any sort of idea that he would, that he would insinuate the things that were being said about the Michigan state shooting and, and how tragic that was, that that would be something that Michigan state deserved is um uh, it's 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 disgusting. It's despicable. Um, you know, I, I think it's fair to, you know, I'm all for holding people accountable. I'm all for seeking clarification on comments. But, um, 
You know, we live in this social media society of dunking first and getting clarification later. And sometimes it's too late. Sometimes you can't pick up the pieces from that. Um, but like I said, I mean, I, I know we all have moments. I'm, I'm not, and I'm not saying this is what this was. Uh, we all have moments where, you know, we've, we've been misinterpreted or we've, we've stuck our foot in our mouth before. Um, we can all own up to that. But the fact that I think Clayton said, you know, there, there is a certain subset that even if they accept Chris's explanation, they still kind of in the back of their mind would want that to be true is uh, that's disheartening. And like, like I said before, I mean, I wrote about this on Saturday, but you know, we're not, and, and maybe we do play a role in turning the heat down with some of the rivalry stuff and the rivalry rhetoric from my perspective. Um, I'm not, I can't turn, you know, me, one guy, I can't turn the heat down. Chris can't turn the heat down on his own. Clayton can't turn the heat down on his own. I can only speak for me personally when I say I have zero interest in fanning the flames anymore. Um, Because this is, um, it's kind of crazy the point we've gotten to with all of it. So like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not here for a lot of the topics, especially last week that revolve around, you know, the toxicity and the hatred and the um, shots at the other side of the bow. But, um, you know, to not to not even be willing to hear someone's explanation out um, is it's troubling. And like I said, I uh, we I I accept Chris's explanation. Clayton accepts it. Um, Well, I didn't need an explanation. All I need to do is actually read the context. You know, exactly. That's the problem. We don't we don't need to. It doesn't need to. I'm I'm right. I just want to do a podcast where we're talking exactly. about Exactly. Right. I don't want and, to spend 15 minutes talking about nope, it. Nope, so. and we're not going to anymore. But the one last thing I would like to say is thank you to those people who took it down when they did get to understand the context and actually read the, the stuff uh, for doing the right thing. And uh, and I appreciate that. So let's move on, guys, and let's talk sports. Let's lighten it up here. I got to watch this scintillating Michigan or uh, Minnesota-Illinois game tonight. What time does that start? Nine o'clock. Oh, well, forget it then. I'll be sleeping. <laughs> so... But uh, how about how about uh, this? How about Doug McDaniel scoring yeah. 18 points? It's the most by a Michigan freshman in a win over Michigan State since Derek Walton had 19 at the Breslin Center in 2014. A most by a Michigan freshman against Michigan State since Iggy uh, had 19 in two different games against Michigan State in 2019. Iggy Brazdakis, that is. Um, he's been he's been maligned. You know, he's been a guy that's taken a lot of criticism, rightfully so. He's been thrown into the fire this year. He shouldn't have been starting. Um, you know, really, if you look back, Frankie Collins should be ahead of him as well on the depth chart, but he wasn't. Now he's playing. He's played over 30 minutes in 16 of the last 18 games. And, uh, you know, and you can see it, man. He's going to be good. Yeah. There's just going to be some of those bad games, rough patches. But Saturday night was one of his best. He hit some tough shots and uh, and he kept Michigan in it early. And then, you know, as Chris, you mentioned earlier, the free throws late. But just some of the big plays. I was rewatching the, the second half just a little bit ago and. You know, just the way he controlled the offense, I thought was about his best uh, that he's done all year too. So that was that was an impressive performance. Yeah, I went back and watched the game too afterwards. The first time is kind of like a, a dream, you know. It's like you can't really fathom what's going on out there. So you go back and you look for the nuances. Uh, that mid-range jumper, that mid-range game, right? That everybody says 
you know what? That's not part of the game anymore. That's exactly who he is. And he's going to get better getting to the rim. Uh, but Juwan Howard said probably two or three weeks ago, he said, this kid's got another gear. And I challenged him, right, to get up into people's faces and to be better defensively, getting over screens. You know what? He's not the biggest guy, but he's strong. was a wide receiver in high school. So he's got another gear to give. And he is uh, – uh, he played like it. You could sense it right away, right? Uh, who was it, AJ Hogard that he that he stripped and and uh, went in for the layup? I think. Got I think seven. so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but he was in his grill, and I'm like, that's what we expected from him, right? Uh, you know, the Xavier Simpson type guard that's going to harass you, and he might not be the biggest guy, and he's still got to put some pounds on, but who's going to be that guy that you? It's like a gnat, you know, the smaller guy that you can't stand uh, guarding you. And I thought he did a great job of that. So. Um, uh, I was happy for him because, uh, again, going back to social media, all the crap that he got, Anthony, you know, after losses. Remember when he tweeted after the Maryland game on the road, he said, man, you used to love me and now you hate me. Uh, two things, Doug, uh, I would encourage you to stay off social media because, as Dave Chappelle said, Twitter ain't a real place anyway. Uh, and number two, um, this kid is a freshman. He wasn't even supposed to be playing yet. Right. And for him to do what he did in a rivalry game like that, boy, that really bodes well when you can do it on that stage against your, your vicious rival uh, is pretty impressive. Yeah. For me, uh, this is what I keep going back to when there, when there's been criticism of his plays that it was never in the cards for him to play as much as he has this season. It's and at a certain point. I mean, I get it. Uh, it's it's almost March. That's not a valid excuse you know, when you have the, the playing experience, but he is just a true freshman. And uh, he's a little bit undersized, and the speed of the game at times catches him off guard. But um, Saturday night was a uh, – I described it as a coming-of-age performance for guys like him, guys like Terrace Reed. To a certain extent, uh, even though he's been on this upward trend, a guy like Kobe Bufkin hits the biggest shot maybe anyone's hit this season on this team. Uh, Hunter Dickinson follows him right after that. Uh, Will Cheddar was, was we Clayton and I were talking about it, put through the meat grinder uh, in the first half and comes back. And I thought played pretty darn well in the second half, especially when everyone has to rally with Jet Howard injuring his ankle again. So um, listen, I know this year has been frustrating and they got, they have three of the last four on the road. It's probably, again, I'm not being Mr. You know, rain on everyone's parade, but it will probably continue to be frustrating at times because that's how this year is gone. Um, but I can I can deal with those growing pains when you start to see moment like Saturday was a milestone moment for a lot of those young guys, and when you start to build equity and stack those good days, all of a sudden, you know, we talk about why has Michigan been in the situation it has the last two years? There's been an absence of those three and four year players who have you know, sort of drank from the fire hose early on in their careers and come out on the other side. This is the start of that process for a lot of those guys. So um, again, for one night, given the emotions on both sides, uh, given uh, the emotions coming off the loss they had at Wisconsin, um, you'll take, you'll take the win. You'll take the rivalry win every single time, 10 out of 10 times. And, and like I said, the fact that, you know, you see, I know at times it looks clunky it looks like no one on this this team has ever played a game of basketball in their life. The coaches haven't looked like they've ever play, you know put a game plan together in their life. It's actually been the opposite. They've been way too close uh, for comfort and needed a few more wins in those tight spots. But you know Saturday to me is why I am still intrigued to watch how this team does down the stretch. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think uh, I'll say two things. I think uh, they play Thursday against Rutgers. And uh, I think they got a shot, guys. I think the, the desperation here, this is, you know, you need that win. Uh, let's be let's be frank here. Uh, they flat out blew the Indiana game, right? They flat out blew the Iowa game. Uh, you win, you win those games, and you're doing fine. You know, now you're in desperation desperation mode you were in desperation mode before now you're in desperation desperation mode and i think you're going to see a good game rutgers is banged up right um and i think this is an opportunity and as you get closer to that bubble you know with illinois and indiana road games coming up in wisconsin i think they're going to handle wisconsin at home i think they owe them one uh and i think you're going to see them play like it that's the last home game i believe it's saturday clay if i'm not mistaken uh, sunday so, afternoon sunday afternoon okay um then i think you're going to see that uh you're going to see a team that, uh, okay, they got a little bit more bounce in their step. Uh, but w- I agree completely with Anthony that just because they scored 51 points in the second half against Michigan State doesn't mean they've arrived. And you're still going to see the warts on this team. Now, the elephant in the room here is is how much better the offense looked at times and how much better that team played down the stretch when Jet Howard was on the, on the bench. And uh, I'm not saying Michigan is better without Jet Howard, but – there's two games now for about 10 minute stretches where this team is really gelled. I think Northwestern uh, being the other one where Jet Howard got benched uh, early and they went on a nice run uh, where they played really well together. So we'll see. It'd be interesting to see if Juwan um, is more willing to not rely as heavily on Jet in some situations. Uh, I do love me some Terrace Reed, though, guys. I love his energy. I love the way he played. Let's talk about the, these two freshmen here. And, and you know, everybody talks about, oh, Juwan Howard can't develop and this and that. Well, guess what? Uh, you want to talk about development. This kid has come a long way. And Doug McDaniel is getting better and better, too. You've got two guys as freshmen who you can say, uh, with Kobe Bufkin and Hunter Dickinson, of course, were catalysts and were instrumental in leading that win. So it was fantastic to see. Uh, and uh, I really I love Terrace's game. I don't generally like the too big thing, to be honest with you. But I do like it with Terrace because he can guard some of those smaller guys, fellas. He's not getting abused. It's like Tom Izzo said, we should have done more offensively, you know, when they had their two big lineup out there. But uh, he erased a couple shots uh, at the rim. Uh, Joey Hauser, who played a great game, got off to a great start. I thought, oh, my God, if he gets going, then there's no way they're going to win this game. But to their credit, they kept grinding and grinding and grinding. But I like that two big lineup, guys. And I like the potential going forward. Will Cheddar had a tough 20-something minutes and then responded down the stretch they're playing again without one of their starters and Terrence Williams so give him credit man um now let's see him keep it up and keep it going here yeah I'm interested to see what they do lineup wise especially if Terrence Williams is still out on Thursday against Rutgers he has the knee contusion and then even Jet Howard I mean it's it's a small sample size without Jet Howard in those two stretches uh, they've also struggled when he's been out of the game most of the season when he has to you know come out and rest in the first half some of those lineups get clunky a little bit um, but I, I did like what they did out there uh, without, and we'll see what, you know, it looked like just kind of stepped on Hauser's foot and uh, looked like a decently bad ankle sprain, but uh, you would think maybe he'd be able to come back Thursday. But I think the biggest thing with Jet Howard is, you know, they Michigan needs him out there, but they can't let the ball stick so much when he's out there, when it gets to him. You know, he always seems to want to try a move or whatever, and he's got great yeah. moves, but uh, right now I think he's just got to move the ball a little bit more work on those moves, you know, move, move that basketball because right now uh, you're seeing some good ball movement. Hunter Dickinson at high low to Terrace Reed, I thought was fantastic. I'm not a huge fan of it either, uh, but Terrace has been able to make his free throws lately and he's been able to stay on the floor and good, good for him. I was talking to Doug McDaniel after the game and I said, what does it actually look like with, you know, we hear that Terrace is working so hard on the free throws, but 
take me inside that a little bit. And he said that, um, you know, he has improved so much so that now they do like 35 free throws in a row. Uh, and he hit the other day, he hit 28 out of 35. He said there was another circuit where he hit like 43 or 44 out of 50. So uh, that's impressive. And maybe when the popcorn's popping a little bit, he doesn't do as well and he has to bank one in or whatever. But hey, he gets the job done. I think he's that's 11 or 12 out of his last 15 or 16, something like that. So really good stuff. I'll be interested to see if they go with that lineup, even maybe to start against Rutgers. I would say probably not just because you might want to stagger the bigs a little bit and how you're going to sub, but that'll be something to watch. And then uh, to me, the Jet Howard question is, you know, Michigan had to play without him for an entire game against Purdue, and they fared pretty well when it was Joey Baker in there replacing him. But it was the minutes where Joey Baker was out. It was the Joey Baker minutes, the normal, you know, Joey Baker minutes, where you had, instead of him, Isaiah Barnes, Jace Howard, guys like that that had to come in, and Michigan really struggled. Chris, we were just discussing this on the message board, how tough it was, uh, to put it mildly a little bit, uh, on Isaiah Barnes in that first half against Purdue. And, uh, you know, it was a rough stretch that cost Michigan, you know, a little bit and, and got them behind. So, um, you know, for me, that's something to watch with, with Jet being potentially out is it's those other minutes. You know, they, I think they can hold uh, serve a little bit when when it's Joey Baker and kind of the guys that are normally in the rotation in there. But um, I like that. And then you mentioned Rutgers, uh, Caleb McConnell. It looks like he's unlikely to play on Thursday. One of the best defensive players in the Big Ten. Uh, and then Mawat Mag, their starting four, is out for the season. He tore his ACL a couple weeks ago at Madison Square Garden against Michigan State. And ever since he's gone out of the lineup, their defense has completely plummeted, uh, and that led to their losses against Indiana, Illinois, and Nebraska. They gave up over one point per possession in each of those games. They had only done that five other times throughout the entire season. Um, so, you know, now with McConnell out, their actual best defensive player, maybe other than Amori, um, you know, I think Michigan's got opportunity. They're ripe. They're as ripe as they've been all season long. And Nebraska just went in there and won by 10. So you say Michigan's got a chance. I think they got a, a good chance. I, I don't know if I'm going to pick them in this game. Um, and we'll talk about it more on Thursday leading in. But I, I do think that if you looked at this a week or two ago and you looked at those final four games, they look a lot more, uh, you know, at least this one looks a lot better than it did back then because uh, because of Rutgers' situation and the fact that they've fallen off a little bit. Hey, Nebraska's beating everybody, Anthony. So, Nebraska's good now. They are, good. They're better. They're not bad. Yeah, um, and but Anthony, I want to ask what I want to ask you. Uh, what, what do we make of Will Cheddar here? Because he's given him some good minutes. I really expected him to be a better rebounder. Number one, uh, you know, be more fundamentally sound and uh, more better with the box outs. You know, he's had a couple offensive rebounds, but uh, offensively, I think you're going to see him get better and better. I think in two years. This is a guy who's going to help you win a lot of ball games. And if you look at the plus minuses for this kid on uh, in several of the games, when he's on the floor, that team is winning and score outscoring opponents. Uh, I think the only uh, one of the few exceptions was Purdue. And that's when he was on the floor with Isaiah Barnes, unfortunately, who's going to get better as well. But uh, what do we make of his game? Yeah, I mean, I know, I know. Again, back back to the message board. I mean, there are people that saying he's a barely a Mac level player, and that's ridiculous. I mean, anyone yeah. who's watched him play, this guy, he is as Big Ten a basketball player as I think Michigan's brought in the last couple of years. Um, I love the energy that he brings. Um, again, I think what we've seen with him in these two starts is that it's it's a different beast when you start a game uh, because the adrenaline's, you know, you got the the crowds jumping around. 
everyone stands across from each other during the tip off. You know, it's just, there's just a different gear to being a starter in this league. And when he's coming in spurts off the bench, I think he's been, um, you know, if nothing else, just constant, a constant in terms of energy, in terms of, of, you know, defensive aptitude in terms of uh, rebounding. It's just, again, we use the term drink out of the fire hose. I think that that Wisconsin game and early on in that Michigan state game was a bit much, but like I said, you saw, you saw him come back out in the second half and, um, you know, he's just, he, I know Michigan hasn't won all the games, but I feel like he's just, he just does, he does a lot of the little things. This is what it is. He does the little things that don't show up in the box score that I think other guys haven't done nearly enough of this year and why it hasn't added up to more victories. So again, he's, he's right in that group for me with McDaniel, uh, with, with Terrace Reed is guys that are just going to, you know, who I know that you want to make the NCAA tournament, but let's just say they make the NIT. I'm going to be locked into that because the more that those guys play basketball, I think the better it is for their futures as individuals and the better it is for Michigan as a program watching those guys come into their own. So uh, Cheddar is, is certainly in the mix of, of being, you know, he's in that nucleus of guys that, um, that, uh, that are the building blocks moving forward. And he can shoot it, Clay. I mean, he can shoot it better than he's shown, too. Yeah, he can. And, Chris, you said think of Will Cheddar in two years. Think of Will Cheddar in three years when he's a fifth-year senior because he redshirted yeah. last year. That's right. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's going to be good. Um, he did let, you know, Joey Hauser around him a few times. He did have a couple defensive breakdowns in that first half. It was it was tough. I think I wrote in our game thread, I was like, you, you have to get him out immediately yeah. at, at one yeah. point. But then he made some big plays. That baseline drive he had, and nifty finish, I thought that was nice. So he's showing flashes like everybody else. And, Anthony, you used the term drink from the fire hose. There are a lot of guys doing that right now, Cheddar included. You know, even two weeks ago, he didn't know he was going to be starting back-to-back games, including, you know, really two of the biggest games of the season. Um, and, you know, he's, he's learning on the fly. So uh, somebody on the in the comments says Cheddar's defense is just awful. I'd say his health defense yes. is, is much better than his on-ball defense right yes. now. Same goes sure. for – Joey Baker, uh, who's it's also first with year, fellas. His first year, fellas. Uh, Stu yeah. Douglas. Stu Douglas wasn't a good defender when he started out, and guess what? He became a great defender by his last year. And there are things that you can learn. Angles. There he is, Odawa Traveler. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, it'll get better, and um, we hope. So that's the hope, anyway. I mean, he's going to be limited, right? I mean, he's he's okay athletically, uh, but there are guys who were great defenders that weren't great athletes that became great defenders. Uh, Stu Douglas uh, was a better athlete than giving credit for. I just did his podcast, so I don't want him yelling at me to saying he's not a good athlete, especially when he dunked in that Tennessee game and some of the things that we saw from him. But uh, he's going to continue to get better. And this is what, his 12th game or something or 15th game where he's played a lot, you know, whatever it is. And so uh, let's give these guys some time. So uh, how many guys have we said this guy can't play at this level? Uh, Xavier Simpson was a guy that they were trying to recruit over after his first year at Michigan. They're like, boy, is this kid ever going to be our point guard? And he ended up being the winningest point guard, the winningest player in Michigan history. And he had a great second year. So uh, let's put to, to bed all the talk about Juwan Howard can't develop players. Number one, uh, we look at Franz Wagner in his second year. Look at all these other guys, right? Uh, is this his best coaching job this year? Probably not at the same time. Look at the hand that he's been dealt with injuries and guys leaving early. Uh, and uh, you know what? Hopefully this is an outlier and hopefully they finish strong guys. The year's not over yet. 
And look how much better Kobe Bufkin's gotten too. Hundred percent. This he's kid's young. Pretty- isn't he the youngest kid on the team? He's the youngest youngest scholarship player on the team, and yeah. he was unplayable last year. I mean, I know he he hit the big shot at Ohio State and had a couple moments, but he was basically unplayable because of his defense. Now he's their best defender, uh, trying to cover up for other guys that don't play very good defense. And he's hitting big shots like he did on on uh, Saturday. His shots coming around now. Uh, and he's he can get to the rim better than anyone on this team, and he's probably their second best player. I'd say not probably, definitely their second best player after Hunter Dickinson. Um, and and there you go. I mean, so there's another example of development. If he sticks around, which you would hope he would, uh, you know, given the fact that man, he wasn't on the NBA radar a month ago, but now he's starting to rise up some of these mock drafts. But if he sticks around, he's going to be one of those projects that you know. And he was a McDonald's All American, so not projects, but. You know, one of those testaments to, hey, this guy can develop. And we've seen it, uh, you know, multiple guys, as you said. So I, I don't like that narrative either. No. All right. What's the – Anthony, Tom Mizzle said one in 100 on the Bufkin shot. That made it 75-72. What do you think? 20 out of 100? Gosh. Uh, what's he I, – I don't even know what he's shooting from three. What, maybe 32 34, 34. I'll just, I'll be, I'll just go with the shooting percent. I'll say this. Incredibly, yeah. incredibly tough hoist for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's bobbling it, but uh, you know what? Sometimes those goes in, go in, and uh, and you need some of those. So, what a shot, though! How clutch! And if you'd have told me last year that this kid would be able, capable of making that shot in that situation, I said, I just said you were nuts. Uh, but there it was, man, and give him credit. So, and then and then Hunter Dickinson adding to the, the second one to it. Uh, uh, really, what a way to finish, and what a way to to prove that you can finally finish a game by going on a 12-0 run against your rival in the last two minutes to win that ball game and Doug McDaniel making free throws. Uh, really a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts on basketball fellas? I just want to go to the tournament, man. I just want to cover an NCAA tournament. You know what? Uh, and I don't want to go to Chicago on Wednesday. So as Anthony told me today, all all of these scenarios are still in play. They could still play on Wednesday. Uh, they could get a double bye and they could play on Friday. So uh, you put up a, a tournament bracket today who would play who and i thought boy that'd be a great draw and then i remembered well there's still what four games left or whatever yeah, that, so. will, that will date itself before it will. uh you know before midnight yeah. tomorrow so yeah a lot of fluidity yeah just a quick update on that i mean there are i believe six teams within a half game of one of those uh those top four spots which would be the double buy and i think there are eight or nine teams that are within a game and a half that i know we're running out of games here there's only four games left in big 10 play for a lot of these teams but Got, uh, I know it's been Purdue, but two through through two through like eleven has just been so volatile in this league this year. It's and usually that's entertaining, but a lot of it's been kind of clunky basketball. Um, one of the down years for the conference, but yeah, we'll see what happens from there. Uh, last four for Michigan at Rutgers home Sunday against Wisconsin. That'll be the home finale next week uh, at Illinois on Thursday night, and then March fifth at Indiana. Listen, it's just it's game by game. I know it's a cliche, one game at a time. Um, again, we're probably looking at Michigan needing to have a clean week uh, to to really be in that conversation. And you know, whatever you don't, we, we've said they're they're sitting at what fifteen and twelve. You probably need four wins to put yourself in the conversation. Anything they don't get by the end of the regular season is what they'll have to tack on in Chicago. So um, if that's if that's what it comes down to, then we will be seeing tournament caliber basketball you know fighting for your life or this game could be your last so we'll see what happens there um yeah so real quick before we talk about our friends at rogue shop we did get a 999 super chat from our friend shane johnson who says 
Uh, CB confirms GOAT status with his soft side. Uh, biggest spring intrigue from each of you. Surprised with three offensive line pickups with all depth and guys that will have waited their time. Can only assume uh, that they that they hit the portal come May. Shane, we appreciate the super chat. We're actually about to get into spring football su- superlatives uh, where we will address some of these things, including the biggest intrigue. But in terms of his other comments, uh, where, do, where do you guys stand on uh, the rest of what he has to say? Uh, I'm soft. I'm human, uh, Shane. Is all That's all there is to it. But uh, um, are we going to talk about this now or are we going to do Rogue Shop? Because I'd, I'd love to answer his questions now because I just wrote a column on this, a 3 2 one okay. Let, let's let's do a rogue shop and then we'll, we'll get to we'll just we'll do the whole thing we'll put sounds we'll good put the whole thing in the oven so all right uh of course uh monday night shows are always sponsored by our friends over at the rogue shop uh, we've been talking about them for months dating back to football season uh if you have issues sleeping chronic pain anxiety stress cannot uh emphasize enough uh rogue shop has products for you that will help with that at rogueshop.com that's R-O-G-U-E-S-H-O-P.com. Uh, promo code the Wolverine will get you 10% off of your order there. Uh, again, they've got CBD, THC, edibles, tinctures, smokables, bath salts, pain creams, topicals, vapes, candles, soaps. They handcraft all of their stuff. They grow their own cannabis in their own manufacturing facility. It's all done with their own two hands. Uh, they have a 24-7 chat function on their site where customers can ask them questions. Uh, Richard and Charmaine are huge into the education around plant medicine, so they will answer any questions that you have. All of their packages come with uh, handwritten custom notes to you. Uh, They will fill all of the needs that you have. They're America's number one online dispensary and health and wellness shop. Again, we have been hammering you guys to give them a try for months. Uh, Small business disabled veteran owned black owned woman owned company. They only have five employees. So uh, become part of the family today. It's R O G U E S H O P.com. That's rogue shop.com promo code, the Wolverine uh, fellas. I give you the floor here to sing, uh, sing their praises as well. Yeah. I just got the pet stuff for my dog and uh, she's getting a little older fellas and uh, moving around a little better. And I hope that's the, that's the reason why. Um, but yeah, the, the Delta nine gummies that look like everlasting gobstoppers, uh, flat out love them. So, and, uh, but uh, they're just good people, man. And like I've always said, we, we like to support good people and with good products. Um, the, um, the balm for aches and pains, uh, when I do go to the gym has been fantastic. So, uh, going to try the lollipops next, man. So, but just, uh, again, uh, I, I can't stress enough you know that uh just just what good people they are and, and how good the product is and if they weren't uh, i can promise you i wouldn't be supporting them i'm not just going to support something because somebody tells me to yeah i can't stress it enough either actually i can't stress anymore i don't have any stress anymore because <laughs> of rogue shop so uh thank you to rogue shop they're fantastic all right again that's promo code the wolverine for 10 percent off over with our friends at rogueshop.com that's R O G U E S H O P dot com. All right. Well, Shane Johnson, uh, Mr. Man Stray himself is sending us right into spring football superlatives here. Uh, getting their head start on it on the rest of the country. You see uh, some of our other colleagues on the other sites uh, on, on three. They're talking, about, oh, just a couple more weeks to, to spring football. Let's get signed up. And, and you should still sign up for us, by the way. 
Uh, Michigan starts today. Uh, February 20th is the start date. They will uh, play their spring game on April 1st and kind of get in and out a little faster than a lot of their peers. So what we're going to do tonight, and uh, we are, we'll see what time permits for uh, Q&A wise. I do definitely want to take a couple at the end of the show. But we're just going to kind of burn through these really quick here. So uh, I'll start with um, – I will introduce the category. I will – we'll just go Clayton, Chris. Are me. we drafting? Is What's this that? a draft? <laughs> Is this a draft? It's not a draft. No, Anyone no. can – you can repay. Uh, we'll we'll revisit the draft later on. Uh, hopefully I do better in that than I did last year. Uh, that was embarrassing, in Anthony. In the eyes of the public. But Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So Clayton, since you uh, since you were Mister Popular because of the spring game draft last year, I'll I'll start with you. The player with the most to gain in spring football over the next six weeks. I want to make it. I wasn't trying to refer back to that. I was just wondering if we could like overlap or whatever. But thanks for <laughs> reminding the people that I did dominate that spring game draft. I can't wait for the next one. You did. But you did. You, anyway, you did well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, player with the most to gain. I guess if we can do overlap, I want to just say two. One is Kenneth Grant. I think he can really solidify himself as a monster on the middle of the defensive line. And then I'll say on the offensive side, Darius Clemens with some outside receiver snaps up for grabs. I think he, you know, he's got a lot to gain. He could be, uh, he could be a starter by the time, you know, fall camp comes around um, or somebody else could. So, you know, he's got that opportunity. And I think he has the skill set. Both those guys, most importantly, has the skill set to seize one of those opportunities, which is obviously that is a, Huge factor there. Yeah, I think Amorian Walker at corner since he's starting out there. And uh, Ronnie Bell called him an alien, you know, and he said he's the guy that I want to see at receiver. Well, uh, maybe we'll see him play a little bit both ways. But I think Steve Klingscale and talking to people thinks that he can be a really good cornerback. And if you can have a, a guy over there on that side with that athleticism on the other side of Will Johnson, man, you're going to be shutting down a lot of passing games, especially with the safeties that you have coming back. So love Rod Moore back there. I, I've said it many times. Uh, that kid is, is fantastic. So um, yeah, to me, uh, that's the guy I think really has, has the most to gain. Uh, I've heard good things about Miles Pollard too uh, behind him. I think they feel more comfortable than the fans do with what they have at that position. So that's the one that we're going to keep our eyes eyes on. And um, and I'll be also be watching to see uh, the, how the tight ends shake out behind Colston Loveland. Remember how that used to be that position group seemed like it was a crowded well, now it's, uh, okay, who's that second guy? Is it going to be Max Bredesen? Who's it going to be in there? Who am I missing, guys? Colson Loveland. AJ Barner. Yep. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. So, but um, yeah, they needed depth there and they got it. So uh, very excited to see that. Yeah. um, I'm going to go, I was going to go with Amori and Walker uh, for all the reasons that, that Chris listed there. I mean, again, to, to be a cornerback at six, four, it's just so to have that plus the athletic traits that that they're saying that he does have, it's just so rare. So if they can find a way to pull that out of him, and make him a big 10 caliber cornerback doesn't, he doesn't need to match Will Johnson in terms of talent, but yeah, as a solidifying playmaking presence on the other side of him, that would be, that would be huge. So I think most to gain for me is a Morian Walker Uh, on the flip side. Let's go with the player with the most to prove, or, you know, if you want to really split hairs here, it'd be the most to lose. And I think my definition of that would be, Maybe an upperclassman guy that we've been waiting to turn it on or someone who, you know, there might be a younger guy behind him that that might come on and take some playing time away. So 
uh, in your guys' eyes, who who are those guys on this roster? Yeah, put put Shane's question back up there again, if you would, Hutch. I want to see um, exactly what he said. Um, yeah, because um, I want to answer the rest of his questions too, since he paid his nine ninety nine. But um, the um, you know what? I think it's Carson Barnhart, right, and Tronte Jones with the guys that they brought in, and it's like these guys have been waiting their turn, and they played a lot of football here, and played some good football here, and now you've got these other guys, Ladarius Henderson and um, Miles Hinton, and you're thinking it's kind of crowded, right? You didn't expect them to bring all these guys in. So uh, to me, I wouldn't say the most to lose, but these are the guys that are really going to have to step up and uh, to solidify their, their playing time. And and then what happens with Gio Elhadi, right? Giovanni Elhadi, who played incredible football at times last year. Um, you know what? It's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. And that was something else that I wrote about in the three, two, one column today was, okay. Uh, how is that going to pan out? That's one of the biggest question marks for me, uh, but it's a good thing. Cause you got a ton of talent there. Remember in Brady hoax first year when they had five guys and if one of them got hurt, you were screwed. So David Mulk had to play the bowl game on one foot essentially. So um, that's what uh, that to me is the answer to that question. I'm going to go with Tommy Doman. I think he has the most to prove. What is he going to be able to do? Uh, is he going to be able to handle kickoffs, place kicking, and punting? He'd be the first guy for Michigan to do that since Kenny Allen in 2016. And we're not going to know about Adam Samaha until he comes in in the summer and has fall camp. So this is a big opportunity for Tommy Doman. And then uh, I'd go Braden McGregor as well. I think uh, you know he's a guy that he's, it's not now or never. He showed some flashes, but man, there's some talent there as well. And it's not going to be easy for him to grab a starting job or a big time role. So, you know, this is a big opportunity for him as well. Yeah. Um, and I also, going back to uh, Shane's question there about were we surprised that they picked up three offensive linemen? I was, I didn't think they needed three. Um, now at least one or one of them has two years of eligibility, right? And Miles Hinton, I believe. So yeah, I think Nugent might have a couple too. Yeah. Which is great. So uh, Drake Nugent being the seventh. So, um, but that was a little bit surprising because when we were talking about transfers in, we were all thinking about different positions and not, you know, we thought maybe one offensive lineman, all of a sudden you got three. So uh, yeah. So let the cream rise there. Uh, Shane is how I view it. And you know what? Um, to borrow from, from Juwan Howard for competitors only. Right. And you know, you can't be scared about bringing in more talent that you're going to be driving people away. Uh, you've got to do what's best for your basketball team. I, I laugh when people say, well, why would they bring in Jalen the well? And, you know, knowing it might drive Frankie Collins out. Well, Frankie could have been here and been the starting point guard, right. Uh, if he wanted to be Jalen the well, and, you know, stay and compete, you know, man up and, and compete Jalen the well. And, You've, you've seen him. Don't you think you're better than Jalen Llewellyn? You know, and they needed a guard depth. So you go out and you get your guard depth. And if it causes somebody else to leave, then you make do with what you've got, which is exactly what Juwan Howard has done. Uh, these guys, uh, Michigan in the transfer portal on football, I think you're going to see that more and more uh, with this NIL stuff until they get that figured out. Taking some guys, uh, it's not they're not going to re be revamping the roster, but they're going to be getting guys like the Barnhart, like Ladarius and everybody else to, to fill those needs and to make everybody else better to compete. Yeah, for me, uh, talking about com competing and and old guy or old guys. That's rude. Older players, uh, experienced players that uh, you know we're looking at as as you know maybe you have to look your, over your shoulder a little bit. To me, it's it's I'm going to lump two guys in here. It's uh, it's Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson. Now, I think that Cornelius Johnson. I want to be clear. I think him coming back kind of stabilizes that group. I think that he can be a a consistent, a more consistent. 
uh, player for them. But th- we know that, and you can throw in Morian Walker in this group as well um, at wide receiver. Those sophomores are coming on, and those guys, um, for different reasons, uh, Darius Clemens, Tyler Morris, potentially a Morian Walker, uh, those guys all uh, have traits that the staff is excited about. And uh, you know, with a full off season, you've been in the program for a year, full uh, strength conditioning. Uh, the quarterback is going to be uh, that assuming there's no injury, it's going to be a stable situation throughout the spring, throughout fall camp. So we'll see who emerges. Um, you know, I, I don't, I would never, do, I would never just assume that guys like Cornelius Johnson or Roman Wilson immediately move into more productive roles uh, just because it, it has been a little inconsistent at times for them. And, and the way that Michigan runs the football, um, I don't know that it always lends itself to, these wide receivers taking as much of a leap as maybe fans would like to see. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, I want to move on now to, let's see, most impactful new player, whether that be a freshman or a transfer, Chris, you can go first. Mm, on that. That's a great one. Um, you know what? I want to say Darius Clemens because I want it to be Darius Clemens. I want them to have that explosive receiver and the, and the reviews that we got from him when he first arrived here, they were saying his speed and the way that he was coming back for the ball uh, and everything else were just, uh, you know, otherworldly. Now uh, he didn't play as much as we expected him to. It's not the first guy where we've heard, you know, glowing reviews. Remember Kevin, Kevin Grady and his 99 yard touchdown in the first day of spring ball, right. Who didn't live up to the hype, but we were so excited about this kid because of, what he brought to the table and Jim Harbaugh calling him part of the freak show and everything else. So um, I'm guessing uh, I'd like it to be him. Uh, you know, if I had to, if I had to say who I really think that, that the most impactful new player is, I think Greg Nugent's going to win that center job. Uh, I think Raheem Anderson is right there behind him. I know Greg Crippen's in the mix as well. And at one point he'd seem to be the heir apparent. I loved what I saw from Raheem in that Rutgers game and the edge that he played with. I think Olu Olu Atimi brought out the best in him and really helped train him. Uh, so I think he will give him a battle, but I think Nugent at that spot with that veteran leadership and the fact that he's been in so many games, him and those two guards next to him uh, have the potential to be one of the best interior lines in the country. If Nugent is as good as we think he is. So that's who I'm going with. That's a great pick. He would be second on my list. I'm going to go Ladarius Henderson, who I think is going to win the left tackle job. And given that, you know, center is obviously maybe just as important or, or more, um, but just, I, I think Ladarius Henderson is going to do a really good job. When I was talking to him after he committed, uh, I was asking about how it's going to be to pick up the playbook, you know, and I, I told him about the stories, you know, Olu, Olu Atimi came into spring ball last year and, uh, you know, they were blown away by how much he knew already because he was studying up while Michigan was in the college football playoff and everything. And he said that it, it should be, you know, not in a cocky way, but it should be pretty easy for him. He came in as a young freshman was a 17-year-old and started on Arizona State's team. He learned the playbook then. He had three or four different offensive coordinators throughout his time there, so he had to learn different offenses, and he lived with quarterbacks every year he was there, he said. So I think that's going to be big. A guy that was a team captain there is going to be able to come in with a bunch of leadership and uh, and you know kind of galvanize that left tackle spot. So I'll take him as my most impactful transfer. But uh, speaking of that, too, there are a few guys on this team that transferred in and were team captains elsewhere. So – uh, that, you know, that helps with, I think, some of the potential culture, you know, like concerns with bringing in transfers. They only brought in seven. You know, there are teams around the country with 20 or 25. So it's not like a crazy number, but it is high for Michigan. But I'm not worried at all about culture. I think they got really good fits here. 
you're not plugging in with other people's crap, you know, and, you know, not calling other players crap, but I'm just saying, you know, they're cast offs, you know, Um, you're plugging in with guys that, you know, fit your culture that you've recruited that Juwan Howard when he went and got Mike Smith, you know, uh, and guys like that, Sean D. Brown, he said, first and foremost, we know they fit our culture and what we want to do here. Jalen Wallen was the same thing. The first time we interviewed that kid, we knew this kid is Michigan material in terms of his personality. So um, that's huge to me. They've got the great culture right now. I remember asking Ronnie Bell, you know, is this thing set up for the future? And he said, absolutely, because of that culture and the young guys buying in. Uh, Like I mentioned, Raheem Anderson, who completely changed his body. Uh, These guys are now, you're back to how it used to be in the 90s and the early 2000s, where you don't want to let down the guys that you played behind and who took who took you under their wing and taught you uh, how to play you want to win for them as well so it's not guys flocking to the pros it's not guys looking to get out of here as soon as they can you've got a culture now and you're recruiting guys whether it's a freshman or then the transfer portal anthony to, to fit it yeah for me um we have, we have another super chat here from shane johnson One of i know shane uh 499 he says cb my soft comment was a compliment everyone knows the good man you are no explanation. No explanation needed for anyone that can't decipher the English language. Yeah, uh, but Shane. Uh, yeah, Shane. I appreciate it. I want to get back to Shane's last question too when we get a chance because he had three. He paid nine ninety nine for three questions. But uh, I know it was Shane, and I appreciate that, man. And uh, you are a preferred customer. Bummed that we could not hook up in Arizona. Shane's uh, super chat will definitely come up because yep. we do have one more category after this. Sweet. Uh, most impactful new player for me, I think, is going to be Josiah Stewart, uh, Michigan. It's edge rusher you. And this is a guy that even before transferring is someone that the NFL has had its eye on. Uh, obviously he was, he's, you know, has only played two years in college, but um, he's flashed the athleticism, uh, his pass rush grades. I think as a freshman was, was a 90 overall. I think last year it slipped a bit, but the pressures were still there. So Josiah Stewart getting big 10 caliber coaching from a guy like Mike Elston and, and fixing in or mixing into Michigan's defense where he's going to be a fixture of that pass rush. Uh, to me, I think that he's uh, – I'm not. I'll, we'll see what happens. We know that they like to rotate those edge guys like hockey lines. So I'm not going to sit here and make any sweeping conclusions that he's a plug-and-play starter or anything like that. But I do think uh, if, you're, you know, if you're telling me I have a choice between Josiah Stewart or Yabioki, I'm going to go with the guy who actually has the production in college as opposed to the traits and the hopping around and things like that. So – uh, I will bring Shane's uh, original super chat back up uh, because he asked for biggest spring intrigue from each of you. And I think this is a good place for us to, to call it tonight in terms of the last quarter, uh, last category here yep. that I have left. Um, got rid of a few because they're a little bit redundant with things that we've talked about. Most intriguing spring storyline. Uh, Chris, I will throw it over to you. Yeah, this is a tough one for me uh, because some of the guys, you know, like you want to know who, how they're going to split the carries and stuff like that. But uh, Blake Quorum's not going to be playing. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of Donovan Edwards either. Uh, I wonder, are they going to be able to get those guys on the field at the same time? Is Donovan Edwards going to be used in the slot more, which I brought up in my column as well today, because you want those guys on the field, right? Mike Hart was the one that told us last year, Michigan's running backs coach, that this kid could be a starting slot at any any school in the country. So are you going to do that? Uh, you know, and, and how is it going to work? Uh, are you going to have enough uh, playing time for all those guys uh, in, in the slot? But you know what, if he's one of your best players, you put him out there. So, uh, but to me, I got a tip Shane that they think this defensive line is going to be 
potentially even better than last year uh, based on what they've seen in the early going of the guys that they've got coming back. Uh, we know Mason Graham's an absolute stud in there. You're losing Mozzie Smith. But remember when everybody said they were going to take a huge step back when Aiden Hutchinson and David Ojabo left, and here we are. Last year, uh, they were outstanding. So uh, I like Chris Jenkins in there. I think he's up to 300 pounds now. We saw him eating those power bars at the Gerald Ford Museum when I, I made Clay ask him what his weight was. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did. You're a good soldier, Clayton. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm said, glad he didn't ask me back. I'll yeah. Be <laughs> You're going to be dunking by the end of the year. So you got some work to do. But hey, that's right. But he said, uh, you know, he's up to 300 now, I think I, I read somewhere and yeah. uh, or close to it. Yeah. So, uh, and you know what? He was providing some interior pass rush at the end of the year, guys. Uh, Ohio State got a drew a huge holding penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rayshon Benny, I think, is going is primed to make a huge move. He had a huge play, underrated play in that Ohio State game when he got the pressure with um, with C.J. Stokes running out of the pocket and was just about to sack him when he threw that crappy unhand, underhanded interception to Taylor Upshaw. So uh, I expect more from him too. I think this defensive line is going to be better. Shane, I think that's the biggest strength, spring intrigue for me. I want to see if Josiah Stewart uh, is as good as everybody says he is and where that pass rush comes from, but they feel pretty good about it. And if, if they, those guys feel pretty good about it, uh, some of these guys like Steve Klinkscale, then I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. You took one of them from me is that pass rush. Chris Jenkins said that they're, obsessing over how they can become a better pass rush unit. And I think there's two things that maybe are holding Michigan back from, you know, being a college football playoff team and a potential national champion. And one of those would be that next gear to the offense, um, you know, with the passing attack and being an elite passing team when you have to in the pass rush as well. Uh, it hasn't been good enough in, in maybe, you know, it's been really good against Ohio state at times, especially in the 2021 game, but some of the games against those elite teams, uh, I think you could, ask for a little bit more Georgia, you know, maybe that game was what it was going to be, but Michigan didn't really get after them much. I thought Georgia had a great game plan. And then TCU, I thought Michigan could have gotten a little bit more pressure without having to bring the house on some of those plays. So it's the pass rush up front. And it's great to hear things like that about the defensive line and what Chris Jenkins said, basically that they recognize that. Uh, And then going back to my comment about the offense is Kirk Campbell. uh, And I think we mentioned this last week as well, but he was talking with John Jansen about how, they do want to find out what the identity of the past game is going to be. Um, you know, so maybe some changes there. And that factors in with Sharon Moore, who's now fully in control of this offense. So I want to see what that's going to look like. You know, it's his show now. It's going to be collaborative. But uh, he is going to have, obviously, more input and, and be the guy, that main voice. So uh, what changes will come with that? I think we will maybe not learn much of in the spring, because even when they come out for the spring game, it's going to be very vanilla. But, uh, you know, we may get some indications, and I'm sure we'll get to ask around and poke around about things like that. So it'll be definitely something I'm asking about when we get to talk to some of these players. Yeah, for me, I think I've talked about this uh, a few times, and if it seems like I'm fixating on it, I apologize. But I want to know how much more, and we won't get the answer to this in the spring game, I assume, but I would love to know how much more they plan on putting up their quarterback's plate uh, this year because – Again, we, we saw uh, the silver lining. I've said it a million times at this point. The silver lining of, of the Fiesta Bowl was that you kind of got to see what what he was capable of when you put a game on his shoulders. Now, at the same time, made two very costly mistakes in that game. But, um, you know, I just want to know every year, you know, every year during the offseason, uh, you get a little bit different flavor. You, you add a different look. You install a different package, things like that. It doesn't always stay the same. So, for me, I mean, there's – 
It's Sheryl Moore's offense completely now. I mean, other guys like Mike Hart, like Kirk Campbell, like Jim Harbaugh, they'll all have an influence in how it looks. Uh, but I'm interested in knowing how the offense changes with one play caller now, a sole play caller. Uh, I'm interested in, you know, how you can expand, how you build upon. Like last year was 2021 set a really good foundation. And then last year, felt like you start, sort of started to see him peel the layers back a bit. I mean, even just in making the quarterback change that they did, a guy with just a little bit more of a, a dual threat skill set. So for me, it's how much further can you, how much more dangerous can you make this offense? And can it be a, can it truly be a pick your poison uh, type of offense? I know at times they said that's what they, they were trying to be and that's what they thought they were. But, um, you know, I want to, again, never going to, never going to complain about controlling the line of scrimmage and running the football, but I would just love to see what the other, Love to know what the other wrinkles might be with this team moving forward. Yep, couldn't agree more. And I actually wrote about that again today too. We guys, we were always on the same page. And uh, just want to say I love and appreciate you guys. And, uh, and before I go, I just want to say there's one guy uh, who reached out a Michigan State reporter. And I think he lost subscribers uh, because of because of it. Uh, you're going to get him back, man. He's a high character guy, and uh, who is just a. I'm not going to mention him by name because I don't want him to lose more subscribers. But uh, just a good person, and I appreciate you. All right. Well, is this, uh, are we ready to call it then? We are. It's been over right. an hour and I want to say thanks to Shane Johnson again, man. He's going to be like a permanent sponsor with uh rogue shop. Look at this. We're going to hook up. Yes, we are, man. So 1600, a pop dude, you should have called me and I would have gotten, <laughs> I'd have gotten you, uh, I'd have gotten you some face value, but if you can afford it, man, a good on you, then I'm not buying your beers, no matter how much you contribute. So, but we appreciate you, man. You're almost like an official sponsor of our, of our show. And uh, just appreciate you being here. Well, we can't help staying for over an hour. We're just all so darn interesting. That's right. Um, yeah. But uh, well, thanks to thanks to our friends at Rogue Shop. Uh, thanks to uh, Clayton Safey, Chris Ballas. Thanks to everyone who tuned in uh, to watch our show. Be sure to like and subscribe the video uh, to our YouTube channel below. Uh, for those of you who would like to either listen again or know where you can get the audio version in the future, uh, we are on all podcast platforms. If there's one we're not on, let us know. We'll see what we can do to, to maybe get on there for you guys. So uh, for the Wolverine, for producer Hutch behind the scenes, thank you everyone for your time tonight. Uh, three of us will be back Thursday, big basketball game to talk about. And wherever this week takes us, we do things one day at a time around here. Uh, but thank you so much for your support. We'll talk to you again soon. Mm-hmm.